you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 FM. I'm chatting today with Dani Yerloff, who is a partner at Hertz and Spies, who is going to chat to us today about amendments to the Constitution in their various forms, and in particular the Section 18 or Section 25 amendment, which has been proposed in the Constitution 18th Amendment Bill. Good afternoon, Dani. I trust you're well. Lovely to be back. Fantastic, Dani. I was just rambling on there a bit about uh, how we can, uh, what the Constitution is and what um, it means to the public and the powers that it has over certain laws and how certain laws are not in line with the Constitution. But this is why we constantly see amendments as as we go. Um, Donnie, tell us a bit more about this, this 18th Amendment Bill. What what impact does it have on on society as a whole, as you see it? Sure. So, I mean, it's um, sort of been an ongoing and dragging saga for the past five years. Uh, we're now in the third round of public participation where members of the public and organizations can submit their public comment to the proposed amendment. Um, and if, if you, you know, to answer your question regarding what the impact of it will be, well, quite huge and massive, to be honest, um, the, the, the thing is, we've seen all over the world what happens when governments trip away at uh, the, the right to own property. And this is nothing other, uh, nothing in, anything else than that. It, it's simply, um, you know, just watering down the concept of property rights in South Africa. So this 18 amend, 18th Amendment Bill basically seeks to amend Section 25 of the Constitution, which uh, protects property rights. And... The way it seeks to amend it is by saying, well, government may, under certain conditions, expropriate property. And I think I should pause to mention the wording says property and not land. So any property for no compensation should government deem it to be in the public interest. Um, so this is sort of going away from the current wording of the Constitution, which says that expropriation by the government is only allowed under very narrow circumstances and at uh, after government has actually compensated the person for expropriating their property. So it, it really does move away from um, not only what we currently have in South Africa, but what's widely accepted on, uh, in other countries. Uh, we know, for example, that the United States has a similar clause. Um, they, they call it eminent domain, where the government may expropriate property, and, and the U.S. government used it quite frequently in the 1950s when it built its interstate highway system. But the big kicker is the government always fairly compensated the people where they expropriated their property, and here government simply wants to do away with that uh, very important and crucial part of it. No, that does that does sound like a gross infringement on on human rights, which are inalienable and uh, and perhaps protected within our within our Bill of Rights within the in the Constitution, but this is this is not a this is not a new thing. As you say, it's been going on for quite quite a few years already, and we've seen massive public participation right in the beginning of of mm-hmm. this, where Parliament received over seven hundred thousand uh, public submissions on should the Constitution be amended to cater yeah. for expropriation without compensation. Yet this time it seems to, this final amendment bill now 
seems to be flying under the radar quite considerably. I haven't seen much media attention around it, public participation itself, although we've only got, I think, nine days left to yeah. to have our say on it. The public participation is dismal. Now, we've got to wonder, is this is this deliberate, Donnie? What what do you think? Is oh is is government deliberately creating fatigue amongst the public here and hopefully no one will participate or not enough people will have their say and then they just simply run it run ahead with it. Can government actually do that? So I, I think there there are three important things to note when we talk about the public participation during this round uh, with the, the proposed DWC amendment. The first thing is um I believe it's it's an attempt by government to legitimize the process. That should the EWC go ahead, then they're able to say, well, we, you know, really thoroughly consulted. We had three rounds of public participation. Um, we had hundreds of thousands of submissions. We did it over, you know, a period of two to three years. So we really did everything from our side to, to make sure the voices of South Africans were heard. Um, so, so I think it's an effort to legitimize that process. The second thing is it sort of also comes uh, from the back or in front of the background of the ANC and the EFF purportedly not agreeing on the amendment. We saw media reports during the past week or so that the EFF have uh, vowed not to give their support to this amendment because they don't believe it goes far enough. They want rather that all land in South Africa or property in South Africa is placed under state custodianship much like we see with minerals in South Africa. So um, it, it might also be against that backdrop where they now invited this third round of, of public comment. And then second, the third point, um, why I think we have another window, although it's quite short, is in the previous uh, public participation period, government uh, generally got bad reaction, not the reaction they were expecting. Uh, you mentioned the 700,000 submissions they received uh, back in 2018. The majority of those were against expropriation without compensation. Same uh, goes for uh, the organizations that um, made presentations to the parliamentary committee. Most of those presentations were against um, watering down the property rights clause in the Constitution. So this might be another effort to sort of drum up some, some additional support before they finally go ahead with putting this uh, piece of, of legislation and amendment before Parliament for uh, the legislature to vote on. So I think those three things are crucially important to consider when we, we ask why they have such a short uh, third uh, public participation window. Well, that, that actually makes perfect sense. It's, it does seem to be a bit of a, a sinister move, in, in, in my opinion, but... We, we'll have to see and we'll have to encourage way more public participation in this to, to get the people's, the actual view of South Africans through to, to Parliament on this. Now there's, there's other related bills that are very related to, <laughs> related bills that are related to this, uh, this amendment and, and two of those are the uh, land courts bill and yeah. the establishment of land courts and a land courts of appeal. And the other one is the expropriation bill, which yes. seemed to have come out before this amendment was suggested. And the media and, and ourselves, we, we picked up that this, this doesn't seem to be the right process to do. Why did they approach those bills before the amendment to, to the constitution? Should it not have gone yes. the other way around? Yes. 
Um, yes, it, it's, it's an interesting question, and it's, it's sort of weird because we see politics playing out uh, in front of us through this sort of legislative process. Um, you, you, both both uh, the expropriation bill of, of last year, as well as the land courts bill that was um, put out for public comment this year, are sort of formed crucial parts of the, the broader EWC discussion. And, and that's why I'm, I'm skeptical of people who say we shouldn't be worried about the 18th constitutional amendment because it, it's just trying to rectify a particular thing. When we see a broader attack against property rights, you know, when you just view the amendment in isolation, you, you I might maybe come to the conclusion, well, it's not that bad. But when you snap it up and you look at the expropriation bill, you look at the land uh, court bill, you look at the 18th Amendment, you look at things like NHI and prescribed assets, all things that essentially boil down to um, expropriation by government. I, I keep on trying to make this point and, and you know, hit the message home, uh, but the NHI is a form of expropriation. What, what it entails is government tells you where your... Um, it, it basically takes your private medical aid and it puts it where it wants to, to put it. So you don't have a discretion. They decide on your behalf. So it's an expropriation of your medical fund. The same with prescribed assets where government tells you in which assets you're allowed to um, invest and, and they're most likely going to force you to invest considerably in failing state-owned enterprises. It's another form of expropriation. So all of these things, when you view it together in totality, you realize, well, there's this concerted effort to undermine property rights in South Africa. And, and the moment you come to that realization um, and you, you just literally look, you know, a couple of hundred kilometers north of South Africa, then you see the effects of what happens to a country when it completely turns its back on property rights. You see the chaos that it causes. And we have, you know, a myriad of examples of countries where property rights were disrespected. And now, unfortunately, those countries like Venezuela, like Zimbabwe, are sitting with the consequences of those horrible decisions. And for some bizarre reason, it seems as if South Africa is unable to learn from our, you know, our neighbors. It's, it's also sort of as if we refuse to, to acknowledge that millions of Zimbabweans are fleeing. Um, you know, expropriation without compensation in their country for the, the horrors of, of South Africa where property rights are actually protected. That, that is indeed the case. And that, that leads me to the, to the conclusion that there can only be a, a political, political motivation behind it. You know, when, when a liberation party becomes, becomes the governing party, they have to keep that fight alive. And they can only do that by promising or making promises and then never really delivering on them, getting, feeding the people a little bit more and then making these unrealistic uh, promises that you will get the land now, these are the enemies and this is what's actually happening and vote for us and we'll, we'll keep, keep this going. That's the only conclusion I can come to. Do you feel there's anything else be, behind it? Why would a government actually do this when the track record shows that it's detrimental? Well, I, I think it's it's, it's a combination of two things. Um, there's that famous quote which says, don't attribute to malice what you can attribute to incompetence. And I think in, in, uh, both those things are true. I think in South Africa we have uh, we have a combination of both. I think they are what they, people sometimes refer to as, as the useful idiots, and uh, then you have people who do actually act with malice. Um, I, uh, the thing is, 
expropriation and the land question has been part of the ANC for decades. Um, it's, it's not something new. It's, it's something the ANC has been talking about for years, uh, since its establishment. Um, the, the problem the ANC has just faced for the past you know, 100 years is most South Africans don't believe it's such a crucial problem. And the IRR, for example, does a yearly study where uh, land reform is near, nowhere near the top of, on the priority list of, of South Africans. South Africans are concerned about um, crime levels, about poverty, about job opportunities, you know, the actual basic needs. If South Africans are still struggling just to sort of, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, they're just struggling to, you know, sort out the, the most crucial part of that hierarchy of needs. Um, we, we're not we're not nearly where the ANC thinks uh, South Africans should be, and and the issue is, if we actually sort out poverty and we sort out joblessness and we sort out all these more primary important questions, the the land question is not going to be important because it's it's not going to be you know an issue anymore, and and that's sort of the the predicament the ANC sits with. Is it wants this to be an issue, but for the majority of South Africans, it it isn't. And mm. so it, it it really is a it's a bizarre situation where they you know just they, they try they they have the solution for a problem that really doesn't exist. <laughs> they definitely definitely do. That seems to be a common a common tactic there, not just in 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 land expropriation or amending the constitution, but in general. <laughs> so, you know. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 Kai FM. And Donnie, we're chatting about the Constitution and the amendment, uh, the 18th Amendment Bill, which covers land expropriation. As you correctly pointed out, uh, it's property, not just, just land. What, what does that actually mean? This is, we've seen a expropriation bill, which is related specifically to land, and we've seen a, a land, land claims court, and now mm-hmm. the, the new, newly established, um, uh, land, land court. Why, yeah. why is there that conflict between, uh, property and, and land as stated in the constitution compared to, to other bills? Well, I mean, the point is, the definition, the legal definition of property isn't just land, it, it's all, all possessions, anything that a person owns. So, the, and section 25, importantly of the constitution, at least how it currently reads, protects your property, all property, and um, not just what well, some people believe to be immovable property, namely land or, or you know, a sectional title or something like that, your apartment. So, if an amendment goes ahead, they're, they're I suspect there'll be either one of two things that happen. Either it allows government to expropriate any property from the get-go, and that's why they've done it, because they wanted to achieve that goal from the start, and that's why they didn't say land may be expropriated, but they say property may be expropriated. Um, and it's important to note that property means any possessions, your money, your belongings, all those things. Um, or if government's too scared that that might be, you know, too quick and that, that they, they're jumping the gun a bit. The issue is it's already chipping away at the, you know, the, the sanctity of um, property rights. So it then makes it easier for government down the line to expropriate other types of property. It might start with land for now. Let, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they will only initially focus just on land, although the 
amendment allows the appropriation of any property. But let's say, hypothetically, they just focus on land. The point is, if you can take a person's land, why not? Why can't you take their money? Why can't you take their possession? Why can't you take, um, you know, the second car that they own because they don't need two cars? Uh, and, and that's the issue with, with this entire thing is, it, it, uh, you know, the, people always say that the, the slippery slope is, is in some ways or often a, a logical fallacy, but it's also a reality. It, it, it happens. We see it before our eyes. And, and this is, you know, a grave uh, threat and, and potentially a really treacherous slippery slope. Yeah, we do. We, we've definitely seen it in in, in other countries. There are, there are brilliant examples, as, as you pointed out earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I, I can perhaps add on, on exactly that point, Rob, mm. is we, we have this wonderful example of Venezuela where uh, they, they, they really followed just about two decades before us. They followed this, this exact path. They, they started by not by, by chipping away at mineral rights. They said, well, minerals don't belong to the greedy corporates um, who, who you know, extracts oil. Uh, the minerals should belong to all the people in inverted commas. So they nationalized oil in Venezuela. Um, in South Africa, we already have state custodianship of mineral rights. And after that, they also started with land expropriation. And it just, in the end, it, uh, after a couple of years, they started expropriating money. Um, and and we, we've already you know, taken the first step. And we have this example of, of what will happen should we take the next. Absolutely. I mean, you've made a very interesting point is that the state already has custodianship of all, all minerals and mineral rights. Yet, um, that, that is, that is what's proposed in, in this bill is that the state will be custodian of land. And as we've seen, the, the, the people and the general population does not benefit from state custodianship of minerals. How can we assume or make sure that this, the people will benefit from state custodianship of land or anything else? In, in that fact, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing that, that the proposition can actually be put forward. But what I've seen, it's actually in, in the, the, the Constitution 18th Amendment Bill, that the, the actually seems to be a, an agreement now between, uh, the ANC and, and the EFF. Although they did disagree at some stage, this state custodianship of land is proposed in, in this amendment bill. And that, is, is that is that something we should be extremely concerned about? Are we seeing an alignment between the ANC and the EFF? Um, although the EFF, as you said, has said they're not going to support the bill, the question to me is is why? Because everything they want has been proposed in in this bill with a state custodianship of land. Yeah. That's to me is, is extremely dangerous because nobody wins then except the the state itself. And as we've seen with the state and their um, management capabilities, it, it's, we are treading on, on dangerous turf here. They, yeah, if you have yeah, any no. insight there, Don, please feel free to, to provide us with that. Why would yeah. the state act in this way? No, I agree, Rob. I, I think the concern with, with this, this sort of debacle that, that there was between the EFF and Ronald and Mola, the Minister of Justice, this past week where they – supposedly don't agree on, on the approach that they're following because the EFF is pushing very hard for the complete state custodianship and the ANC just wants no compensation. My, my worry is that this is sort of the classic good cop, bad cop type of approach where the ANC says, ah, oh, just look, we've, you know, we've uh, kept away these radicals, the EFF, uh, who want state custodianship 
we, we've protected you against them and we've settled for no compensation. Um, and, and that's my major concern is that they sort of use this friction between the parties or that it's a deliberate use uh, between the parties, that they, they'll, they'll, they'll approach it this way so that they can settle on, on something that they deem to be less radical, but in the end still is radical just because it's contrasted with an even more crazy idea doesn't mean it makes it make it any better or any more sustainable in the long run. <laughs> that seems to be a, a common political tactic as well. You you presented with the the uh, two evils and you have to choose the lesser lesser of of those two evils. You what, what the end result is that you're still left with with something that that is evil. It's 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 a brilliant brilliant tactic. How how would the public go about addressing this? I mean, if 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 government just runs roughshod over the whole public participation process and um, how would they, the public, do this? If government just said, we're not doing this, we're not listening to the public, we're going to Im- implement this. Um, perhaps tell us that uh, when, we, when we get back off, after the break, we can perhaps discuss that. Donnie, thank you. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. Indeed, democracy doesn't just happen. It is requires a considerable amount of effort and an input from from the public at, at large. This is, after all, a participative democracy and a representative democracy. We are supposed to guide our elected officials to execute our, our will and and hopefully desires in, in a good way there. <laughs> Welcome back, Donnie. We were chatting about uh, what needs to be done and what the public can do to protect protect themselves if government does run roughshod over the whole process. Um, I, I think uh, the most important thing to, to mention is, let's say hypothetically expropriation without compensation goes ahead and it is passed by government. Um, but that is not the end of the road. The, the fight doesn't stop there. Um, much like, the, I mean, the Constitution has been amended 17 times before this. It might be amended now for an 18th time to allow for expropriation without compensation. But we can again amend it later uh, to, to actually really commit to property rights in South Africa. It, it, just because it happens now doesn't mean we, we, we are unable to stop and we should throw in the towel. I think that's, that's a really important point to make. But on the shorter term... South Africans need to make their voices heard. We, we need to uh, participate in this public participation processes that we have, for example, that Dear South Africa has. We need to, you know, uh, give your support to the organizations who are fighting for your property rights. So that's what you can do in the short term. And then, uh, uh, sort of in, in the medium term, and if hypothetically this bill goes through, what I suspect will happen is we are going to see a myriad of court cases where people object to government coming in and expropriating their, comp- their, their property without compensation. Um, and, and that's another place where people can fight. Um, uh, it, it, it just doesn't simply you know, stop there and we're not just going to, to put our hands in the air and give up. Uh, so, so that's, I think, believe the most important things that people can do. Support the organizations that are protecting your property rights and when the day comes, if it is does go through, continue fighting and don't, don't just stop there. 
Absolutely. And I think support the legal firms that assist those organizations too, without a doubt. And one of those is, is her to speak, which Donnie Elof is a, is a, is a director of. Donnie, I thank you for your time. It was absolutely fantastic, as it always is, giving us some great insight onto the process behind this and what we can expect. And no doubt the public needs to get involved in, in the participation process beforehand to avoid these costly court cases which which might uh, which might come up after after the fact but as you said we still have um there's hope and we should not give up on on the whole process donnie thanks very much for for your time i will hope to chat to you again very soon thank you robert always it was lovely tuning in it was uh, a pleasure chatting to you